0: Hi guys, here we are. Stay with Martina Lewinska, uh, co-founder and CTO at Fiat Republic. Martina, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. How are you? Yeah, good, 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 good. Um, just busy as I'm sure you guys have been. Um, exciting year for you at Fiat Republic. Um, why don't we just kick off just by getting a bit of an idea into what your background is? Um, you know how you started your career um really what your passions are um because you know it's led you to building fiat republic and i think it's fair to say that in your first year you've kind of smashed it so i'm sure people will be interested to learn how you guys have done that
1: sure so uh, yeah i have background in engineering so actually ever since i was little i always enjoyed you know anything that had to do with computers anything that had to do with math so that was my great passion anything related to math right and I knew that uh, at some point when I need to choose like what I'm going to do in my life, I wanted to make sure that uh, I'm gonna do something that has to do with math. And that's how I kind of like landed with uh, control systems and robotics, which wasn't probably you know the obvious choice, mainly because uh, I didn't really know at that time whether I want to go directly into pure programming or I wanted to get, you know, the bigger picture of things. So to learn about hardware and software. So I did kind of like the latter, right? I, I I did learn about hardware. I did learn about software. I, you know, programmed robots, learned assembly language, microcontrollers, VHDL, all of that. But I also enjoyed, you know, the, the pure programming bit of it. That was that was the beginning, right? So I, I have masters in, in control systems and robotics. As for uh, my career, I started in, in business intelligence. So I actually learned all about uh, you know the world of data you know etl processes why data is so important why do we even need it in, in the first place right i then moved to uh, to cloud engineering and software engineering and uh, later i i became the head of platform engineering managing a team of platform engineers in a fintech company in london i started in in bigger corporations uh, so huge huge organizations uh, that actually introduced me to the processes at scale so how things are looking when you have like 100 000 people in a company but when i moved to london that changed because i joined smaller smaller startups and uh, honestly i fell in love because uh, you know the impact that you can have in smaller companies
0: sure. well it's
1: incredible right so i, I love the vibe i love the fact that you, you make a decision and you actually see it becoming you know, a real reality later on the next on.
0: day yeah yeah, exactly. yeah
1: yeah you don't wait three weeks you don't wait three months for it to happen yeah. and actually it happens straight away. I mean, obviously it comes with responsibility, right? Sure. So that was kind of like my my beginning of, of the journey before I, I started Fiat Republic.
0: And, and in terms of, you know, you, you're, you're now a CTO. Um, and again, you know, I, I think we've discussed this before. You're growing rapidly. Um, how, how What's the shift been like from actually being an engineer to actually now being a CTO? Because I've got to be honest and correct me if i'm wrong when i speak to a lot of ctos now i feel that they're not necessarily that technical and it's much more about the managerial role than actually coding or developing themselves and w- what type of like cto are you and you know how have your experience experiences as an engineer like shaped the the cto that you are
1: so i guess the answer would be i'm the type type of cto uh, that the company needs right now so in the early days, um, I was more of an engineer very much hands-on building with everybody else you know being deep into the code being deep into the you know the technicalities of everything right but as the company grows you start hiring people, that role shifts it changes because you need to then focus on the bigger picture you need to focus on the dynamics between different you know team members between different teams and you need to create many more functions within the company, especially if you are a regulated company like we are. So for me, it's it's a combination of of uh, you know being able to be an engineer in the beginning gives me the the part where I actually know how everything was built from scratch. I, I have that knowledge because it's difficult if you if you haven't taken part in an actually building process, it's then hard to jump in and understand everything, right? So for me, that's that's a huge benefit. I try to stay technical, so I still kind of like try to do something technical to understand exactly what we are doing, how we are doing things, uh, why is it this and that, and so on because this allows me to learn exactly what my engineers are experiencing when they're like developing. Uh, that means that I'm able to remove the obstacles as quickly as possible. As for what impacted uh, the CTO I am to yet today, I would say for pretty much every every CTO that I've met and not just them, it's all the managers that I've reported to, it's, uh, it's the people that I worked with that impacted the CTO I am today. Because like some showed me what are the good things, quite honestly some showed me what not to do like it's all a learning experience right yeah and thanks to that i have kind of like the great understanding of what i want to do what kind of culture i want to create in fiat republic to make sure that the engineering can thrive to make sure that people actually are eager eager you know to join fiat republic to build with us uh because that's the that's the thing you want to achieve
0: and oh, sorry when when were you founded exactly uh
1: 2021
0: okay so you're a year old and yeah how, how many how how big is the team now
1: uh, the whole company is 27 people engineering is 11 people
0: so I've got to ask how 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 have you done that like it's so quickly it's very evident just looking at your um, your website that you know you you've got the support and the belief from some major, um, companies, major institutions, none less than uh, Masayoshi Son um, at SoftBank. Um, w- what's the affiliation there?
1: So, uh, as for SoftBank, we're part of the Emerge program. Uh, so that there's that. Uh, in terms of like achieving so much within a year, I think it's uh, it comes down to the founders. It comes down to the you know the initial team and uh, being able to you know to convince people to join uh, because hiring as you can imagine when you, you know you have no online presence like you're you you only have a website and that's it it's not the easiest thing to kind of like sell the dream that hey there is a Fiat Republic we're building something we're just a small startup from london you know there were many unknowns and trying to convince people to join wasn't the easiest task right now in in comparison it's it's much easier uh, thanks to our marketing team, right? We do have uh, Crypto Legends podcast. We have uh, people at Fiat Republic blog series. So there's so many things that if somebody Google us, they can see something about us, about the company, about the culture, and, you know, they can decide whether they want to join or not, right? And uh, I think the other thing that's important is the team is bigger right now. So we have, like I mentioned, we get much more engineers. And that means that during the recruitment process, people get to know more people. And again, they are able to kind of like quickly gouge what kind of like engineering culture we have in the company. That is a huge selling point for us.
0: And as part of that, you you kind of um, describe yourselves as like a Web 2.5 company. You're bridging the gap between banks and crypto. Um, What exactly is a Web 2.5 company?
1: Sure. It's the in-between, if I can put it this way. So. The Web 2, uh, when it comes out to payments, that would be the banks. Uh, web 3, that's the crypto world. And Fiat Republic is Web 2.5. So we sit in the middle, right in between the Web 2 and Web 3. And uh, what we are doing, we're creating uh, a compliance first Fiat-as-a-Service platform that helps, you know, unlock the crypto and make crypto mainstream. And uh, that puts us in a very, very unique position, right? Because we are the trusted entity. At the intersection of banks, uh, crypto platforms, and regulators, it also means that uh, we do have visibility on the on-chain and off-chain. We are able to combine the data, and you know, give the full journey of the of the flows that are happening. Which means that the banks are you know more more eager to cooperate with us because they they trust us more, um, and that trust is is quite important for us. You know, so uh, trust between crypto and banks. That's really in the DNA of our platform. The way we're building it. I, I mentioned the platform, right? But it's not the only thing that Fiat Republic is doing. We are actually also, we've created the Fiat Republic Consortium, what is a members only sort of club. That means that if the member sign, signs up to it, uh, they are able to access, you know, a harmonized way of uh, of compliance, which means ultimately that they're better off.
0: So w- w- from where have you started w- with this? Because obviously it sounds like there's a huge undertaking here. You know, there's a very clear specific mission but what, what why does it exist what is it about fiat republic that is really standing out from the rest of the rest of the companies in this sector
1: yeah i think it's the fact that we truly understand our client base so we know exactly the pain points of crypto if you talk to our founders we're all very excited about the crypto world you know the web3 and we know what is missing what is happening right now is that uh, you know cryptos don't really have the voice it's like banks are there they're not really eager to support crypto and if you, if you look at the statistics, it's still the kind of like, uh, crypto needs the, the fiat because that's the entry point and that's the exit for, for the crypto economy, right? You need the fiat flows yeah. to, to get in there and get out of it. Right. And that means that, uh, what is happening right now, crypto platforms don't have the great access to the banking services because they're being turned down and they're being what we call the bank on daily basis because of the risk appetite that is changing within the banking providers, right? We want to change that. We want to make sure that cryptos are, crypto platforms are trusted. We want to make sure that the compliance is at a certain level. And we want to make sure that on one hand, we gather, you know, crypto-friendly banks and banking providers, that are able, able to provide the banking services to crypto platforms.
0: So I've got to ask you, like, what, do, what will banks look like then in the future?
1: Well, I think banking is going to change. So I think there's room for everything, if you think about it. Because like, even right now, like, uh, sure, I will go probably try to buy a coffee and I will be paying with my card. I don't really use cash anymore, but there are places where cash still exists, right? It is changing. Like there is room for everything, I believe. And right now, uh, banks probably are recognizing the fact that uh, crypto is not going away. There were a few years where kind of like, they were, let's say uncertain and, uh, well, not that optimistic about crypto. They would probably say like, oh, crypto, we don't touch this. But I think right now, by now they realize that, uh, that, yeah, crypto is not going away so right now we need the adoption of of, of crypto
0: and in order to make this successful again because there are there is competition out there is very much about executing with speed um sure. why why was it so important for you guys to have your go-to-market uh adopted so quickly like well, why why did you need to execute in such a short space of time
1: well, we knew exactly what we had to build, right? We had the product market fit. We knew the problem. We knew the solution. We knew the you know how to build the solution. so it only made sense to actually you know build it and to make sure that our clients get it. Uh, that's why going to market was was quite important for us as quickly as possible because if we had the idea, there is a chance that somebody else had it as well. that's that's always there. And sure. uh, we are very much passionate about making sure that we unlock the crypto economy
0: sure I, I, i've got to say but you also built the team really like really quickly and, and as someone that i i still spend at least a third of my time just like recruiting the team i'm always like speaking with engineers developers anyone creative i'll always like make time for them but you've done it again you've done it very very quickly like in about what like five six months
1: a few months yes
0: Few months okay so um how, how did you how did you go about doing that with such speed again i guess
1: <laughs> yeah sure so i mean in the beginning it was i was quite lucky because i actually uh, knew an exceptional engineer from uni that agreed to you know to help us build the mvp he actually joined later fiat republic uh, full-time as as a principal engineer and uh, yeah in the beginning that was the beginning right and after that it was i'll be honest Long, long hours spent on LinkedIn, uh, yeah. trying to go through the profiles of candidates, trying to find the right person. And uh, like I mentioned before, sell the dream and being able to to convince people to join. And we didn't have much like there were just a few of us. Right. So making sure that people believe that we are able of creating a company, we are able to you know create a, a culture that that is quite important for engineers. That was the beginning. Uh,
0: you know, see, that's where you and I are different. You say sell the dream as yeah. a rule. I always say sell the nightmare because, I, <laughs> because when you're joining a startup, you're going to have so many problems so early on. Like, I want to make sure that I've got people that are just like incredibly resilient, you know, and I want that's
1: to make the, the, that's on. the trick. That's the trick. I think the dream can be different for many people. So I was always quite honest with everybody that we're joining. It's like it's a startup environment. Yeah. That means that we're moving very, very fast. That means that we don't have somebody else that they can that can take ownership of something, right? It's down to us. Very much follow the rule, you know, you build it, you own it, uh, right? So uh, I think being honest with the candidates is important because ultimately if you oversell, I would put it that way, then everybody's unhappy because the person is going to leave, you're not gonna end up, you know, with anybody joining and it's it's a no-go for anybody.
0: And and now that you've built the team um, and you're continuing to build, I guess, uh, fiat as a service, True. yeah um, a So I mean, I mean, how how do you maintain or retain the company culture? Because I think that the challenge I think for such for companies that grow so quickly so early on, it's that they haven't really defined their culture in the first place yet. You know, they're still finding their feet. So, what w- what type of culture is it that you're trying to create at Fiat Republic, and how do you then go about scaling that?
1: I think it starts with the founders, uh, to be honest, and. Uh... We actually defined our values quite early on and they are evolving. They're evolving as we grow as and you know somebody's joining the company, they're impacting how the company is, uh, what the company stands for and, and so on, right? But um, yeah, we, we put the values, we we kind of like came up with what we believe in is the right thing to do, and we try to make sure that uh, no, we we lead the same way. So we are we're showing through our actions, through through the way we run the company, what the values are. And uh, that's very important for the culture. So you cannot just say like, here, this is how we do things. And it, it just happens. No, you actually need to show you, you need to beat up. And uh, this is what we're doing. So it starts with very, very, you know, strong group of founders. And uh, on top of that, I, I believe the culture is something that you need to really focus on very early on from the very beginning. So it, you don't wait six months for it to happen. You need to be very, specific as to what you want to build and uh, you what, host- what
0: culture you wanted then so sorry did you know sorry to jump in did you did you know what culture you wanted even before you started yes
1: yes so
0: like, I... oh sorry so like with with the with the technologists because obviously like you know the, you've got a very solid tech team right they're sitting at the heart of of your business sitting in the heart of everything that you guys are doing how do you ensure that you're giving them enough like visibility to that culture and that they are then Applying the culture that you want them to, because sure. the engineers are difficult.
1: Oh, that's true for sure. But I mean, they're amazing. On the other hand, I think uh, well, engineering is not just some department. You know, in, in in our company, we are like from the very beginning, we knew that we want to build a company where you know tech and product are at the very center of the company. So we are a fintech where the tech is not just some afterthought; uh, it's there from the very beginning. The way we do that is we make sure that. Uh, everybody has a certain level of knowledge. So you won't find a single person in the company that doesn't know what an API is. But on the other hand, you won't find a single engineer in the company that doesn't know what product we are building, who are our customers, what problems we're exactly solving. That means that's a very good understanding. Like everybody knows what is happening. We try to share knowledge as much as possible. And you don't have to be an expert when you join. Like you don't need to know everything about, you know, payments or, or crypto when you're joining the company we do have uh, you know weekly crypto trading desk we do have uh, crypto snacks product talks and all of that to make sure that everybody is is able to you know gain some knowledge in the space uh other than that i think uh, you know when you look at our all hands for instance there's always an engineering uh, part in the all hands you know from time to time we make sure also we do some you know tech deep dives into you know all the technical bits to introduce it to the wider you know group in the company making sure that Everybody in the company knows exactly what the technology is up to, what we are building. It goes both ways. So uh, we also like share the knowledge about compliance. So if you, you can be a back-end engineer and you will still know exactly like what's what the compliance team is doing, what was their daily kind of like, what do they do on a daily basis, what they deal with, right? Oh. That means that uh, there is no disconnect between different functions in the company and the culture is quite healthy. We have lots of visibility on everything that is happening, and we can simply focus on, you know, building the best Fiat as a service solution.
0: So I actually have the tech guys, the engineers, sit in on marketing meetings, and I have the sales guys less so, but I have the sales guys sitting on engineering and design meetings, just so they like, just so they're like in touch with like w- what it is that we're actually doing. But I'm actually a nightmare to work uh, for. Uh, or work with um what what what, what, so again like we've established like how you've gone from being an engineer to being a CTO to how you've built this like what can only be described as a very highly successful uh startup I guess now you're kind of more a scale up right than a startup um um what do you like to work for what do you mean well I'm a nightmare. I'm demanding. I change my mind all the time. Oh, I see. I'll, I'll, phone, I'll phone people at like 10 o'clock at night on a on a Sunday, you know? But I'm I'm horrendous.
1: Okay, that's a very good question. I think it would be easier if you ask one of my engineers than oh, actually okay. <laughs> myself the answer. So I think uh, at least that's my goal. my goal is to be an enabler. So a person that, you know make sure that removes all the you know blockers, uh, so that you can focus on on your work on delivering what you actually you know, want to build, and that's my ultimate goal. That's that's one thing. The other thing is, uh, what really kind of like gets me going it's, and what I'm passionate about is, uh, you know, it's it's the people management part as well. So I, for me, it's very rewarding when I see somebody joining the team, then I see how they grow, how they you know reach their potential, reach their goals, and uh, it's it's a great journey, right? And for me to be oh. part of that journey, be able to help somebody reach that, it's uh, it's no it's the ultimate reward.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I get that completely. I mean, but I mean, it's also very challenging, right? You've got to be quite unpopular at times. It, it's just part, it's part of the territory, but in terms of like what you're building with your platform, right? It's again, it's a global platform. And one of the mistakes that we made or one of the mistakes I made when like I started Rayon was that I didn't think about like, the architecture and the infrastructure deep enough and I didn't give us the opportunity to actually build um, a global platform. And we, we we accumulated such technical debt, we were like, right, start again. How do you guys go about ensuring that, you know, you don't make that mistake? And how do you go about making sure that you're building a global platform from now?
1: So that starts with, I think the experience we've had and the goals that we set up front. So. From the very beginning, we knew that our platform needs to scale and we need to be able to handle huge volumes. Uh, That meant that uh, whatever decisions we made early on, uh, we had to always kind of like uh, decide like, what is the impact that this decision is going to have? What is the impact on the customers? What is the impact or, uh, you know, on our scalability? How does it look like? And if we knew that uh, there was no impact on, you know, on customers, or we can come back later and. Change something without so much like too much hustle, we would put it in our tech debt backlog, right? But it's not something that is ever growing. Uh, we we make sure that it kind of like remains around the same level. We try to take as much pay as much debt as we can whenever we can, right? right. And. Uh, a few months ago when we kind of like tested for the first time our our application were kind of like testing 10,000 transactions per day then we're testing 400 uh, tr- uh, thousand transactions per per day then we went on to 1 million transaction 1 million transactions per day right so we knew that we had to be ready for the scale from the very beginning and it comes also from the experience uh, i actually have experience with uh, with infrastructure as a platform engineer so i knew what pitfalls to avoid uh, which are the things uh, in the architecture that need to have very strong foundations because they're very hard to change afterwards. And some things might take a little bit more time early on in the very beginning, but they pay back. That means that later down the road, you don't have to spend, I don't know, two months, you know, changing the architecture of your whole application because you made a decision before.
0: And uh, have you had any like major failures yourself?
1: Uh, In my my past or in uh, in the company?
0: Do you know what, either or, I mean, I think that for any like, startup founder, it's kind of like it's part of the territory. You know, you be prepared to fail. Um, sure. A huge part of like, the around community. I think something last time we checked about 15, 20% of our community, they're aiming on building their own fintech or, or company in the blockchain space over the next like 18 to 24 months. So a lot of our community, you know, they're kind of about to embark on the journey that you, you've really, you're going through or you've been through. Um, it comes with failure. Is there anything that you've particularly experienced, or is there anything, any advice that you would have for people that are about to go through that themselves?
1: I'd say don't be afraid to fail. Uh, sooner or later, at some point, it's gonna, it's gonna happen, right? But the truth is that you don't fail if you don't try. Uh, so you first need to kind of like put yourself out there, like give it a go. And sometimes it will work, sometimes it will not. But I think every, even if failure is a learning experience. So ultimately, you kind of like you learn from it. And uh, that means that in the future, you're, you're going to avoid that mistake.
0: Sure. Because you've I mean, you've you've gone for broke from day one. You've kind of you know, you've know, you gone out there with such a big idea. You know, you said, you know, we're going to build a platform where our client, uh, our clients, developers can self serve. Um, I guess that allows you to really focus on the innovation part of that like where, where do you then go with your team how do you let your team focus on innovation
1: uh, I think we knew exactly what we wanted to build and we knew also that we we're building for the builders and uh, that means that kind of uh, you know it's a higher bar because uh, well engineers and developers when they're looking at your API they're the biggest critics out there and we knew that our API had to be the best you can get so we knew we had to follow, you know, the best practices in terms of like how to build a good API, and we ask ourselves that question very early on. So you know, it, it can be anything. It can be like making sure that the error handling is good, making sure that uh, you know it's uh, it's consistent, it's backwards compatible, and all of that, right? So we do have, let's say, certain rules that we always follow when we are building our uh, our API, our platform, and that pays off. That means that the engineers who are using and then integrating with with Fiat Republic have an amazing experience right? So it's, it starts there. Uh, I think it's important also how you, you know, implement your processes in, in the company and engineering team as well. So we always ask for feedback all the time. We we ask and we listen. So if we see, uh, you know, somebody can complain about, let's say the build times being too long or, you know, API tests being very slow or, you know, a CACD runner just dying or internal wiki not being good enough, right? It can be anything. So we make sure that we we listen, you know, we we spot the issue, we get feedback, we find a solution, and we apply the solution straight away. That means that in the development lifecycle, everything is as optimized as possible. And uh, people don't get a chance to even get frustrated because something is not working the way they would like it to work. And that ultimately means that everything is pretty much streamlined and people can just like focus on their tasks, focus on, on their job and think about, you know, how to improve it, how to take it even to the next level
0: but you also have to be able to decipher good information from bad information. One one thing and one bit of advice that we had very early on was go out there and just sell the product because I was all for like, let's just give it away for free. Let's just let companies play with it and let's see what they do. And what we found was that when we gave the products away for free, no one complained. They might just not use it, but they never, ever complained when we started charging. And I mean a tiny amount, we found that all of a sudden we got a whole list of complaints, and we got a whole list of like feedback and suggestions. And all of a sudden, um, we were getting like we were doing the most phenomenal research. So we actually went out there. We started speaking to more companies, more companies. I didn't care if they paid a pound for it. I just wanted them to pay something. And we then used that research to then go away, and and decide which changes were relevant. And not all the feedback was relevant how do you go about deciding because there must be times when you're thinking okay i do see it from the customer's perspective at the same time here's our roadmap here's our bigger vision and here's how they're going to benefit so how do you go about making the decision as to what changes to make and what ones you shouldn't be making
1: so you asked me before like why was it so important for us to get the product out there like to build as quickly as possible that's one of the reasons so being able to put it out there, make sure that we get some feedback from our customers—that's invaluable. That means that you have something, you have some, you, you have something you can rely on. You can some, you have something that uh, you can, you know, put together in a document, and you can just analyze and think whether this is something you want to include in the platform or not. I think, uh, you know, considering, you know, the, let's say the good things from the bad things, and knowing exactly what to build, comes down to a few things. So making sure that uh, how many use cases are you covering? How many kind of like uh, customers would use a certain feature? Like it can be anything, so it has to make sense from the business perspective. It needs to make sense from the customer perspective. Of course, customer comes first, but uh, when you combine, when you you know build your roadmap, into you ask ask yourself that question: like, what is the biggest impact? What is the best thing that you can build for the customer while listening to them? Of course, right? So. It's important to understand also that uh, when you kind of like combine the first, let's say, group of of customers that are using your product, using your feature, you need to always ask yourself which customers are representing the majority of of your client base as well, because you want to solve problems for for the majority. And then you want to add also other things for for the others as well. Uh, Crypto platforms usually have very specific problems. Uh, There is a huge, huge overlap in terms of like what exactly they need. Uh, so that makes our job a little bit easier in the beginning. But so uh, we also have amazing you know, product people on the team that are able to exactly understand like, yes, this is the right thing to build. This one is a little bit different. And the same goes for engineering. We we put everything up for discussion, especially when they're like very technical bits. Uh, we make sure that there is a discussion up front uh, that we first design. We first uh, ask ourselves so many questions. We put it through a very rigorous process before sure. making changes to our public API because you know, once your API is out there, it's, it's, you know, it's there for a long time. You don't want to keep coming back and changing things all the time uh, because it's a nightmare for the customers.
0: Sure. And again, it's it, like you're saying, it's better to spend more time early on making sure you're making the right decisions and really thinking through the problem. And again, that's something that I probably did wrong. I was so excited by some of the technologies we could build. I didn't really think about the the user experience. Whereas now, you know, five years later or three, four years later, only think about the user experience like, throughout yeah. the process. Um, but I mean, and, and in terms of like Fiat Republic, what's the future look like for you guys? Are you gonna, Can you keep growing at this pace?
1: Oh, I think we can. I mean, we're pretty good at growing. I would say so. We're building, we're building like crazy because, uh, yeah, we know exactly there are so many things we want to build. But there are so many features that we want to, you know, put out there for our customers. So really, our roadmap right now is never ending. Uh, we've had big plans. Uh, so definitely, you're here from us,
0: Martina, and we're looking forward to hearing from you guys. So yeah, definitely, we will be in touch and following up with you guys and uh, watching uh, with enthusiasm. Thanks so much for taking the
1: time to speak with us today. Thank you so much.